Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. On this episode, Gary heads to Europe for Dublin Tech Summit. In his keynote and Q&A, Gary talks about the power of media, platform updates, and the dangers of downplaying the magnitude of social media. What's up, Dublin? Uh, I'm really excited to be here. I I have really enjoyed, this is, first of all, actually, back to the reference of that, I've done this a lot. I've been very very blessed to be able to speak a whole bunch in, in the last decade, and I can tell you that this is a remarkable execution for a first year event, and so I think we should all collectively clap it up for these fuckers. Really good. (laughs) <laughs> well done. Uh, I'm super humbled to be here. I, uh, I uh, really want to focus on a couple things. I'm going to frame up this talk I decided just now because uh, I like to improv it up in clouds and dirt. Some of you that pay attention to me know what that means. For the rest of you, I'll explain it. I think almost all of my success, and when I, call, when I talk about my success, I want to make sure uh, I'll use this opportunity as well to clear that up. It's not about how much money I make, it's not if I actually buy the New York Jets, my football team that I'm trying to buy, it's that I just genuinely wake up every day being extremely happy. I'm an extremely happy guy. I, uh, I think the world is in a much better place than the majority of people. I think that I'm an optimist, I think there's enormous gifts in being optimistic, Uh, I hate cynicism, I think people lack perspective, I think people don't realize the math between becoming an actual human being. When you start understanding 400 trillion to one is the odds that you're actually sitting in this seat. It's so intense, it's hard, and I'm completely driven by gratitude. And so when I think about my success as a human, living happy so that I can do my thing, I think about it in clouds and dirt. And I think about it in clouds and dirt in my success of being an entrepreneur as well. And, and when I understood the diversity of the audience watching here and watching in live streaming, I thought it was the right place to go. Because whether you're a startup founder or whether you're an executive or whether you're an entrepreneur or a student, whether you're 18 or 81, the one thing that has been consistent in success when I have analyzed it is this notion of clouds and dirt. And what I mean by that is the following. For example, there's a lot of marketers in here and the reason I believe that they will not be macro successful to their ambitions or their wants and dreams is because they're just headline readers. They're just in the clouds. Right? They've read the articles, they've read the books, they've heard the theses, they've heard somebody say Facebook ads don't work, they've heard somebody say Facebook ads do work. They've heard people say Snapchat doesn't matter anymore because Instagram copied the features. They talk in theory, they lack being a practitioner. Others are in the dirt, they're 100% practitioners. They know how everything works. I think of it really in the same way I think about marketing overall, which is branding versus sales. Some people don't do anything unless they can do last touch attribution, conversion math, and understand what it's worth. They laugh at the notion of doing something like putting a logo on a stadium or doing a video for the sake of video because they're just transactional salespeople. They're math marketers. Other people, like my clients, the biggest brands in the world, go completely the other way. They only want to do branding a stadium and TV commercials and they make up bullshit metrics and reporting to justify if it actually worked. It's the same way of being a CEO. I'm in the clouds 
You know, I've got to run the whole thing. It's a hundred million dollar company. It's an agency, 800 people, four offices. It's a lot of work. I've got to be up here. But the thing I pride myself in, you, you couldn't imagine the happiness in my heart as I stand here knowing that in the dirt of practitionership within the social media environment, which is where I spend a lot of my time on right now, I'm just a better executor than every fucking person in here. And, and, I, and the reason I am is because I just devote seven, nine, 14 hours a day to it. I just do. And the other thing is I'm not scared. I'm not scared when there's a new feature or a new platform. I don't mind wasting my time on Marco Polo or Anchor or Peach or House Party because one of them may become Snapchat or Instagram or they may become Vine or Social Code or Plurk. It actually doesn't matter because it actually just goes right to what's up here on both sides which is the following. The greatest way to think about what you're trying to accomplish is actually strategy. The number one thing that I don't talk about, even the people that know me the best, I rarely talk about the way I think about strategy. I I allude to it, I do it in actions, but I don't get here by accident. I didn't get here by being funny or charismatic or aggressive or cursing. I did it by work. One thing I wanna remind all the young entrepreneurs in this room is, and I need to just say this, and I need to say it more often, especially with the way so many are rolling. I didn't say a word to the world for 14 years. I went into my dad's liquor store, it was a small business, I grew it from a three to a $60 million business. I worked every day, every weekend, for 15 hours a day, and built a $60 million year business, and then talked about how I did it for 13 years prior to that moment. We live in a world right now where everybody is just putting things in their profile and claiming to be the part. And that is an absolute mistake because the winners can sniff it out. You can trick losers. You can't trick winners. And not tricking winners is the biggest vulnerability that so many young entrepreneurs have right now. I wanna explain day trading attention. It is the one core move of my career. When I was six years old and I tricked my five friends to stand behind the lemonade stands, what I did the whole time was walk up and down the streets of New Jersey, sit on the corner, literally, let's, I need you to wrap your head around what I'm saying. As a six-year-old child, I thought it was a fun thing to do, to sit for hours at a time and watch cars drive by and try to figure out what tree or telephone post they would most look at so I could put a sign up there for my lemonade. Basically from the womb, much like somebody who had to sing or like somebody who had to play football, I had to follow attention. When I sold baseball cards and sports memorabilia as a 12 and 13 year old, I would look at my table and I would watch how people would look at it and I would rearrange product predicated on what they would look at. How many people here are designers, UI, UX? Raise your hands, anybody? Couple. To me, I feel such an attachment to you guys because it's really how I think about the entire world. Everything to me is about attention. I have no emotion to the logos down here. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube, zero. I am thrilled whether it's VR, whether it's AI, whether it's six other platforms over the next six years. I have zero emotion wrapped up into where I communicate. What I care about is where is your attention today? Where is it underpriced? And where is it overpriced? Television commercials, in theory work, there's some, there's probably four people in here that watch them, right? Like, you can get to somebody, 
with a television commercial. The problem is it's historically priced. It's so overpriced for the attention. I could go on this beautiful building and do smoke signals. Somebody inevitably would go out and look up and see it. It was probably just not a good use of my time. My email open rate in 1996 on winelibrary.com was 91.1%. 91% of the people on an email newsletter opened it. 53% of them clicked add to cart button. That is impossible in a 2017 world 20 years later because the only thing that happens with attention, just so you know, is there's attention and people that wanna sell to you are chasing you there and they're ruining the place that you went to. There's always a new platform and it's really fucking awesome at first, we love it, right? No ads, this and that, and then the ads comes. And then you all say, oh fuck Instagram, now that they have ads, I'm gonna go somewhere else. But you don't, because you're full of shit. (laughs) Right? And then, guys and gals like me take advantage of that perfect moment when it's big enough to matter and sell shit, whether that's to sell a pair of sneakers, to get you to donate to an NGO, to get you to vote for me, whatever it may be, and we sell you in that great period that every platform has always had, whether it was newspaper ads or direct mail or television or Facebook, Google AdWords for me in 2001, two or three. Guys, I owned the word wine for five cents a click before they made it a 10 cent minimum for nine months before anybody bid me up. I built a huge business on the back of that and I had no money. It was so underpriced that I took care of that arbitrage and I won on it. And so. What you do, and this is the number one piece of advice for everybody in clouds and dirt, please make your strategy around attention. Nothing else matters. I don't give a crap what you do in this room. You've gotta tell me about it before I do something with it. And that is our number one job. I don't care if you built the greatest fucking SaaS product for fucking farmers. I don't care if your sneaker is lighter and cooler or your coffee tastes better than anything ever produced. I don't care if you're the funniest fucking influencer of all time. Before you prove it, you need to figure out where the attention is, you need to deploy it, and then it needs to convert. There is a period, and there is always a period, of one to three years where a platform has that attention and it is grossly underpriced and it is your job in this room to figure out how to contextually storytell within it. It is not Snapchat or Facebook's job to make a platform for B2B selling. It is your job to figure out how to sell a B2B product on those platforms. Got it? That's the game. Period, end of story. That is the macro strategy of all things in society and basically, for me, it's all I've got. I really kind of suck at most things but my ability to really understand where the attention is and then, because that's the macro, that's the clouds, that's the thesis, that's the strategy. Chase attention and day trade it. The reason I added day trading is I realized, holy crap, this stuff changes not year by year, This changes now day by day. If I was here seven months ago, one of the things I might have brought up in like my improving right now is that, hey, I'm worried about Instagram. You know, Snapchat is growing older by the second. Facebook's much younger than you guys think. And I'm not sure where Instagram has a spot over the next year or two. Then, Instagram makes seven feature changes, all of which Snapchat had. And now, 
my conversation's completely different, as many of you that I can see some faces that follow me, I'm, I'm, I'm more bullish on Instagram than anything. And I have no emotion of what my opinion was seven months ago. People that make statements and then think they have to hold on to it for the rest of their lives because they made it, are going to lose always, especially in a world that's changing as quickly as this. And so, for me, it's all about top line strategy. And so my top line strategy nine years ago was this, that this was going to become the primary device of our lives. That not only was it gonna be the remote control of our lives, but that this would become the television and the television would become the radio. And so nine years ago, I basically committed my life to understanding that this was the television and that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube were the BBC and CBS and NBC and CNN and Skynet and I was gonna figure out how to make the best shows on it, whether that was me, whether that was Wine Library, whether that was my clients and I promise you that that thesis has worked out and I implore everybody here to start thinking about their lives in success, right? from a clouds and dirt perspective. I loved the last presentation. I barely listened to anything, I consumed no content. And so much of what I heard as I was getting ready was so right and makes me think a lot about how I was parented and how I want to parent, right? My macro clouds in being a parent is I want my children to be as happy as I am because I'm real fucking happy. (laughs) So that's my clouds, it's simple, right? Most parents tie their own self-esteem into their kids' accomplishments. That's why they put stickers of what they did in school or what club they're part of. I don't care if my kids want to be entrepreneurs, not entrepreneurs. If my daughter wants to make paintings out of tomatoes, she'll, she'll get my support 1,000%. I want to reverse engineer them. I want to know what they want to do, right? That's my macro. Then my micro is the details of that. The actual practitionership around that. Like, how much do tomatoes cost, right? Like, that. And I believe that 98, 99% of this room plays in the middle of clouds and dirt. I believe that the market plays in the middle. A, they don't have top-line strategies and understand where the world's going, and B, they get fancy and they don't wanna get their hands dirty. Much like my intro, which I appreciate, the reason I stopped and took a selfie and said hello and shook hands is, who the fuck am I? Like, do you know what kind of feeling it is to have people admire what you do? Do you know how nice it is? Do you know how nice it is that somebody will DM you and say, hey? Like, do you understand what that feels like? You have to pull from opposite directions. Clouds and dirt. That's called really big fucking ego and really massive humility. And that's why people react so differently to me because it depends on what snippet they saw because they're either seeing this, awesomest dude they've ever met, or this, fuck that motherfucker. (laughs) What makes me comfortable and what I would implore all of you to think about is the clouds and dirt about how I think about that, which is, I really don't give a shit about what any one of you think about me. That's over here. Let me come back over here. It is insane to me how much I care about what every single person in here (laughs) thinks about me. That's literally my life. I literally macro clouds, don't give a fuck. That's how I've achieved what I wanted. Most of you are not doing what you wanna do with your life because you're worried about somebody else's opinion. Normally you're fucked up mom. (laughs) 
or you know, your spouse or you know, somebody very close to you is fucking your shit up. Right? So that's awesome for me. But on the flip side, in the macro of me not giving a shit, when somebody leaves one comment on an Instagram post of like, this guy's a scam artist, I'm like strategizing how to fix that like it's the most important thing that has ever happened to me. Pulling from opposite directions is like a bridge, my friends. It is not something that you should be scared of. Way many too many people think it's a contradiction, think it's a flaw. When you define what true intelligence is, it is holding opposite things in your head and allowing them to push. I love that everything is easy to me. We were having fun beforehand. I'm like, what's this thing I'm doing after my keynote? And they're laughing. They're like, you didn't read it? I'm like, I haven't read shit in 20 years. I don't need to be prepared. I stay in my lane. The reason I love doing Q&A is if I don't know the answer to your question, I'll say, I don't know the answer to your question. We are fronting. We are fronting in our society. You need to triple down, quadruple down on who you are and what you know, and then you can win. When people ask me, how do I produce content? One big breakthrough in my community was when about six months ago I said, you know what? You should document instead of create. It opened up so much for so many when they realized, wait a minute, right. You need to be documenting in your stories or in your vlog about the journey of becoming an entrepreneur, not claiming that you're a 21-year-old life coach and pay me $5,000 a month and I'll teach you how to fucking live. Fuck you. (laughs) Documenting versus creating. Your truth is the only thing that you will ever successfully sell. I love when people think salespeople are shitty, right? And I agree, except the top 1%. The reason I've been so successful is I only sell stuff I believe in. Every wine I ever sold, every thesis I've ever had, every startup I ever invested in. Do you know how fun it is to sell something you fundamentally believe in? Now, here's what comes along with the clouds and the dirt of selling something that you fundamentally believe in. From a cloud standpoint, over two, three, four years, especially if you're good, you will win. The world will come to you. Plenty of people made fun of me when I started an e-commerce website in 1996. Nobody was gonna buy wine on the internet. Shit, in 1996, for all you youngsters, you weren't there, the internet was a fad. Remember that? People made fun of me when I did email marketing instead of making a wine catalog. The hell was email, it's stupid. People made fun of me when I started a YouTube show a couple months after YouTube came out. What was YouTube? Where will it be tomorrow, right? People definitely made fun of Twitter. People definitely made fun of Snapchat. This is what people do. They fear, they don't take risks. And so when I started talking about documenting versus creating, I want to tell you why I did that and why I think it's important for so many of you in this room. My friends, Whether you like it or not, whether it fits your philosophical point of view of where the world is, you are a media company before you are anything else. And I mean you as a human being. That's just the reality of the marketplace. If you were able to understand that and realize that you're a media company, comma, you're a SaaS product for farmers, you're a media company, comma, you, you know, you're a salesperson at Facebook, you're a media, comma, you've got this startup. If you can understand that, it changes everything. It changes the way that you think about the world. If you are not talking in these platforms, my friends, this is it. And by the way, this will be gone one day too and I can't wait to come here in seven years and be like, this, fuck you, this is over, you suck. 
But this is it. And if you are not communicating about what you're trying to accomplish effectively here and contextually differently in every platform predicated on how the consumer thinks about the platform when they're in it, AKA when a woman is on Pinterest and has aspiration of shopping and buying, her mind's in a different place than when she is on Facebook keeping up with her friends and media companies and you have to story tell differently based on the mindset. The way you act and think at work is very different than when you go on a girl's trip for the weekend. Psychology, reverse engineering, macro understanding. This shit isn't happening by accident. I didn't make a funny fucking video and curse twice and everything miraculously happened. Yeah. (laughs) So it might be time for me to start putting pressure on this narrative, which I enjoy. I like playing the I'm stupid at everything. I even did it in this talk. But I promise you, I'm gonna end up being way less stupid than people think when this is all done. Because the great thing about not giving a shit about what anybody thinks is very simple. Let me tell you why it's very practical for you to change your life and start pushing against that narrative. One of the two of you is gonna be right. Regardless of how you debate it in your head, either you're gonna be right and you're gonna be special and you're gonna make it, or your psycho dad is gonna be right and you're a loser and you'll never make it out of this town but debating it over beers for 30 years is a fucking waste of time. What's way more interesting is to go out and fucking do and execute and stick it into people's fucking faces. Two days ago, and it never ends my friends, two days ago, Apple announced its show Planet of the Apps. It's one of Apple's original new shows. You can watch it through Apple Music, please do, because I'm in it. And there's four judges. World superstar Will I Am, world superstar Jessica Alba, world superstar Gwyneth Paltrow, and me. <laughs> Super cool for me and my family. Next step in my career, more top of the line attention. Then they'll Google my name. Then they'll go to watch my stuff. Then I'll have more stuff. Then I'll figure out what to do with that attention. But here's the best part I took away from the announcement. A lot of articles written about it. Cool, cool, cool. But one really stood out. Planet of the Apps is a new show by Apple with judges Gwyneth Paltrow, Will I Am, Jessica Alba, and others. (laughs) Best day of my life. There is nothing that makes me happier than having a chip on my shoulder. Chips on my shoulder have been the bellwether of my career. First chip was not being able to speak English in America because I was an immigrant and having five and six year olds make fun of you for that. Great, love it. Next is to be four foot 11 your freshman year of high school. Perfect. Next is to get D's and F's in high school during the era where education was at its apex and entrepreneurship was at its low and having every teacher and every friend's parent say that you wouldn't make it. Fucking perfect. (laughs) And then going into your dad's liquor business and saying that you're not good enough so you have to go into your daddy's store. Love it. (laughs) And on and on and on. And with everything that I've got and everything that I'm at, still I get categorized as and among others. And I promise you, that's the way I always want it to be. 
no matter what I achieve, no matter where I go, being underestimated is the greatest gift. When you can make the mind shift and actually not care, when you can make the mind shift and realize the debate doesn't matter. Guys, the debate doesn't matter. What matters is the end result. What matters is the legacy that you leave. What matters is don't prove it to me, don't tell it to me over social media, show me. I love that and I love that we're all so blessed to be living and let me remind you because there's a lot of media that tells you otherwise. Let me just say it because data, like the last presentation, is just a funny thing. We're living in the greatest era that any human has ever lived in. We need to get grateful. Is there problems? Fuck yes. But it's all about alternatives. You want to be growing up during the era of the black fucking plague? You want that? You think that's fucking fun? Fuck. Sorry, shit scares me the fuck out of me. It's all about options. You don't like your job? Stop fucking crying. Go get another one. You, you, you're sad that you thought of Uber before they did it? Nobody gives a fuck, everybody thought of it. Everybody's fucking complaining. Let me end with this and then I wanna get into our panel which I'm excited for. Let me just end with this because you need to understand what this means. Complaining. There are only two groups of people that will listen to you complain. The three to four loved ones that are most closest to you and they love you so much they're willing to listen to your shit. And group number two, your other loser friends. Stop fucking complaining. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm not going to take up much time. I'll get out of the way as quick as uh, possible because we're going to pick up with a panel discussing much of what Gary was talking about. The official title of the panel discussion is How to Harness the Power of Global Conversation Through the Various Channels Social Media Offers. I suspect a better term may be uh, day, tri- or day trading for attention, as Gary put it. He's going to come back out. He's going to be joined by Bruce Daisley, who is EMEA uh, Vice President for Twitter by Kieran Flanagan, who's VP of Marketing for HubSpot. And the moderator for the panel discussion is Ross Kingsland, owns his own creative uh, agency and is a contributor to Fast Company. So will you please welcome back Gary and welcome Bruce, Kieran and Ross. Great, <clears throat> okay, so. Yeah, is that your actual voice? <laughs> 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 All right, thanks for having us. <laughs> Came on yesterday. Jesus. So, <laughs> awesome, awesome talk by Gary. Really, really important. Very, very true, particularly with where we are of the world at the moment. And I think it'd probably be useful if we can talk, use your cloud analogy, start up here, and talk about um, the way that social media is being influenced very, very directly by some very, very powerful people from uh, someone who obviously is interacted with social media um, and how we use it. I'd just like to start by, Gary, if you go first, just getting your thoughts on how a leader, political or business, or otherwise, should start to engage 
social media if they if they haven't been on it before? Well, look, I think there's a very specific reason that when somebody creates a coup d'état and wants to overthrow a government, the first place they historically have gone is after the TV and radio and newspaper. They've gone after the media. The media is what controls our thinking. The internet itself has arbitraged out the traditional media channels. So the way I think about it is, it's the single most important thing in the world. Like, the reason I think social media is so funny is as a word, and I'm sure you guys are gonna jump in here and agree, it, it's amazing how some people think of it as like this afterthought, a sprinkle, a nice to have, a clever little thing. It's a slang term for the current state of communication in an internet environment. And when you think about what that means, it's very hard to underestimate it. And I do believe that whether it's Brexit or Donald Trump or things of that nature, we are now in the beginning process of the transition of people not thinking about this as a small little thing anymore. In the last six months, I've had more propaganda organizations reach out to me than I've had in the last decade. People that have an agenda about changing the perception of an issue on a political level and now want me to navigate it mm. and, and architect it. And I've stayed away from it because these things are hardcore, um, but the tide has changed. Yeah, I mean, in terms of advice, what I'd, I'd give to, to someone getting going, I, I think truly the, the best way to ever take in the power of social media and, and the, the way that social is working is to listen first. And to, to, sometimes you can be tin-eared if you, if you stride forward and you try and say something. And that might be you, you try and say something in the midst of maybe a big news story that's blowing up around you. Um, so, so always listening first is the most powerful thing. And I think as Gary said, over the last six months, everyone's been reminded that more and more people are getting their information from the device in their pockets. More and more people are forming their opinions based on that. And so it's never been more important for people to understand the implications of that. And you know, for marketers and for, for people here to try and channel that for, for, their own, for their own company's benefits, really. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> one of the things I'm fascinated about in terms of the power of social at the moment is like, its role in the, the US, even like the political pre-election and current political system. And if you read some of the articles of how, how much use it's distributed today and like it's very difficult to do checks and that, that shows you how much reliance people put on the, in the information they consume through social channels. And I think for, for any business, ra rather than thinking through I have to do social, what you're really just trying to do is communicate with people where they spend their time. And so for a business, you're trying to understand you know, where do my users spend their time and how can I communicate in a way that's part of their day-to-day -day life, not a part of like, that person just going, I hate this brand because they're stopping me from doing the things I actually love. So I think that's, that's the way I kind of interpret how businesses can kind of leverage those channels. And Bruce, obviously at Twitter, uh, you know, famously have got, uh, had some issues with uh, lost profit warnings recently and share price. We talked a little bit earlier uh, backstage that you can't obviously go into too much detail about that. But that was basically, as I understand it, um, through a lack of uh, advertising spent. And I wondered what the implications were on that with a social media giants such as Twitter, that has it now beginning to plateau as some as as like Gary explains with some of the new ones as they come up, um, and just kind of what is like Twitter's thinking on that. 
Yeah, I, th I think it's a good segue actually from the previous question because simultaneously you're saying social media and the way we're consuming news is changing at a, face, at a pace faster than ever before. Yeah. Simultaneously you're saying actually you might superficially read stories that frame our own situation, Twitter's own situation, as, as, more, um, as more difficult mm. in, in that context. And I think actually that the first is a reminder that... The device in our pockets, our phones, are going to be so fundamental in yeah. terms of how we communicate and how we connect with the world. What we've tried to do at Twitter, I think these, uh, there's one mega trend right now, which is this reductive thinking and people thinking that a simple answer is the, is the answer to things. And I think what we've done at Twitter is say, you know, for us to achieve strong user growth, for us to, to build uh, engagement with, with the, the product... That's not a simple bullet point, three bullet point list. So what we've tried to do is think, okay, let's go back to basics. There's no quick solution to accelerate our audience growth. And we've changed 100 things. And I think the consequence of that is that over the last 12 months, each successive quarter, we've seen an acceleration in our audience growth. Daily audience is growing uh, probably faster than any time since our IPO. And so we're in a position where there, was, there wasn't a simple answer but we've, we've worked on that. But I think just a reminder, you know, we're in an environment where it's a very competitive world. People have got four or five apps they use on their phone. I think 90% of the time that people spend is on uh, the top three apps. So we know massive potential if we get the product right. We, if we, we make people realise that a time that is a compelling narrative, there's so much yeah. news. If we, we make people realise that Twitter's an exciting place to get your news, then we're in a good position. Gary? Yeah, listen, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter has a very deep emotion in my heart, right? I, I, I genuinely feel comfortable in saying this. In as much bravado as I have, Twitter's a very substantial reason to why I'm even sitting on this stage. It was the platform that completely catapulted me into the tech space. You know, it's like my, it's like my first love. It's like the first girl I hooked up with. It's always gonna be there, right? And so I have a lot of emotion towards Twitter. I will tell you, and, and Dick Costello is probably one of my favorite human beings on earth, let alone somebody that I've met in tech. I think Twitter's an amazing story of complacency on the product side. It went five years when it was the number two player and there was no three, four, and five where they did nothing. They did nothing on the product side, and, and I agree with you. I am really excited about Twitter, not from Trump using it and, and that thing, but from little subtle changes to the product. I mean, you know, when you look at why Snapchat and Instagram, both in however you look at it, have had good years, good 18 months, they change their products all the time. There's feature sets all the time. And so I think there's, a, you know, Jack's energy of product changes, is very important, but I do think that we should understand how special Twitter is, and let me explain what I mean by that. As a business, it's not gonna sound as great. As a utility, it's gonna sound the best. Mm. Twitter is actually, actually, the only pure play social network in the world today, as it was defined in the beginning. It is the only place where you put out content and you consume content and you engage with people at real scale. If you look at what's going on with every other platform, they're content push-out systems. Mm. They're CMSs at scale with some functionality of engagement like a blog. When you look at Twitter, it is actually the water cooler of our society. The problem and challenge for Twitter is CMS content push at scale is good business. 
because you're just consuming and every fifth time you consume a commercial. In the way that people consume the fire hose of Twitter, they're not consuming. Twitter, if you run ads right now on it versus other platforms, it's just not working to the math that Twitter wants it to, but to their credit, with some of the video products, with some of the stuff, I'm starting to see an uptick. And again, much like the micro conversation I said of, you know, I would have said Instagram might be in trouble, nothing would make me happier than two years were like, wait a minute, it's about Twitter. And if you look at 14 to 16 year olds in the US, there's a huge spike of Twitter growth, so that's intriguing. But I think, they, they, I think there's a lot of feature changes, a lot of shifts, but I will say this, whether it's Twitter, or it's something else the same way there was MySpace and then Facebook, there will always more than anything else be a need for that actual product. The globe needs a water cooler, we will always have it, we will always have that, and I think it does hold a very special place in the ecosystem. Karen, what are, what are your thoughts from your perspective? <clears throat> yeah, I think that, uh, that I don't have, I think I agree with Gary in terms of its, its, its product development, right, they just didn't seem to iterate on the product. Uh, yeah. You see, I think one of the things, uh, Snapchat are proven, and I'm definitely the, one of the people who thought Snapchat was uh, a, a really fucking stupid when I first, um, when I first used it, and now it's a pair of spectacles. It's like they've mm-hmm. proven they can build product, right? And, they, and I think, but the thing for any platforms is like, you're right, it's competitive. How, how much room do you have for different, these types of communication channels in your life? And um, it's, a, it's a different ball game to pass from two, three hundred million into that one billion that Facebook yeah. has, and that's, that's a serious mountain to climb for, I think, any of those types of companies. I think an important point that he just made that's important for everybody who's watching is everything is stupid until it's not, right? Like, to me, that has been the most fascinating thing over the last decade in this space. There, none of these, pla- I mean, 2007, when I invested in Twitter, it was beyond stupid. Because you have to understand, social media wasn't invented yet. So forget about Snapchat being stupid as a new social media thing, at least we accepted Facebook and Twitter. We hadn't even accepted the form of communication. So it was like, who gives a shit if you're, if you're walking your dog or eating a pizza? A lot of people. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kieran, just to kick us off a nice bit, so one of, the, one of the issues for everyone here is how do you start to then develop what you will call your social media strategy? or just your marketing, digital marketing strategy? What are the first steps you would recommend? I think it's so, I, I talked about this in my talk earlier, but when, when in any kind of, if you term it like an acquisition strategy or you're, acquiring, you're trying to acquire an audience and users for products or services, like where, where I always recommend startups spend their time is like actually talking to potential customers or customers, right? It's, you can play around in, in, in data, but I think actually pulling out where your customers spend their time and how they purchase products is one of the best ways you can build out different channel maps. And I think what a lot of businesses do is they go, I should be on all businesses, all these uh, channels at once, and they don't do any, any one channel very well. They just do everything kind of average. And typically, when you're a business or a startup, you're actually gonna scale through one or two channels. You're gonna dominate one or two channels, and that's where you're gonna get your growth from. You're not gonna grow through a mixture of being average on a bunch of different things. So I think trying to understand your, your dream customer, where they spend their time and how they consume, uh, consume content, and trying to align your, your strategy to be part of their day and something that they want to consume, not something like you're trying to inter- interrupt them, or, or, or try, you're trying to create basically native content for the, for the platform that they live in. Cool. Bruce, I, I think I know your answer, but 
would it be? You know what? I, I loved Gary's uh, answer in his talk. You know, I, I spoke to some um, film students last week, and no doubt in the group of 100 film students, there'll be one student who uses all the things available mm. and works out how every social platform from Pinterest to YouTube to Instagram to Twitter will work for them to, to make them famous. And the, the challenge for all of us is trying to work out how to, to make a platform work. But there are people who have achieved outstanding results on all the platforms. I think quite often we, we look for the simple answer rather than think about what are we looking to achieve and, and looking for examples of people who are doing it well. And pretty much every platform, you know, from Twitter but through to, um, to, to Snapchat, to uh, Pinterest, has people who are achieving remarkable results yeah. on it. Yeah. I, I think the answer is to actually put in work. Mm. Like... There's no fucking trick. There's no algorithm. There's no B2B SaaS product that's gonna help you do it. Like, like everybody thinks that there's some magical thing. It's, it's, it's quality and quantity. It's, cause we're living in supply and demand issues, to your point. Every, DJ Khaled made tens of millions of dollars on Snapchat. Yeah. Maybe you didn't. That, you know, there are tens of thousands of people who've made a million dollars million dollars in profit through Pinterest. They're, they're, you're absolutely right. And so the, the problem is people don't want to do work. They, like Everybody wants to be an influencer and get a brand to pay them $50,000 to take a picture and a selfie on Instagram. They don't want to put in the work. Plus, most people aren't beautiful. Most people aren't <laughs> funny. Most people aren't talented. Like We need to actually ha- deploy more self-awareness and we need to deploy more understanding of what we're trying to achieve. Like. Everybody's trying to build the next Twitter, HubSpot, Facebook, Twitter. The reality is those are .0001% executions. Meanwhile, everybody trying to do that is gonna put themselves out of business and then go work at a bank instead of trying to build a business that does $284,000 a year, which then allows them to like, like, we completely lack practicality in this space. It's It's like Snapchat or bust. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, you're gonna wake up when we have a macroeconomic correction and it isn't as good as it's been for the last nine years and you're gonna work at fucking Bank of America, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, so part of my, part of my um, so like working with tech companies, one of the things we always talk about is a minimum viable product. What's the smallest version that you can do to test to find out where you can get traction with your company, with your customers, with your platform that you can then develop. That's super smart, but as you know and I know, that's super hard when you make three assets. Yeah, yeah. Like the strategy's right, great. Build, test, learn, grow, yes. But how do you put yourself in a position where you're putting out 74 pieces of content a day across 31 different platforms? Like, should I do blogging? Yes. Should I do a video show on YouTube? Yep. Should you podcast? You sure should. Should I do infographics on Pinterest? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, like, should I do Instagram stories? Like, people are like, Gary, Instagram stories or Snapchat stories? Both, asshole. <laughs> right? I mean, your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. model and my model break if they make one video. Yeah. But everyone thinks it's gonna be that one video. Right, everybody's fucking Dollar Shave one, Club right? out here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, Kieran, you must, you must get this a lot, right, where people come to you and say, you know, we, you know, we want to do everything. And then, yeah, I, I, so I, I, I think budget. most people, like, 
I get that you should do everything, but most people get disheartened when they try and do everything and, and none of them are successful. I think if you, if you get into the habit of being successful in one, the other channels are, are easier to do. And I think people get into, they'll go to conferences, they'll, they'll, go, they'll go back, they'll have this like moment where they're just really anxious and crushed because they're not doing anything on any of these platforms and they'll try and do everything at once and they'll have like one video on YouTube, they'll have a podcast with, with one interview, they'll have some tweets and then they'll like, oh, this is exhausting, I'm just going to quit uh, and go and work at Bank of America. No, no, and I, I think, think that... No, uh, I, no I, but by the way, I think that's right and it's because they suck. Like, 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 ta- like, this is a very important or they don't thing. Have an, or they don't have the resources that other people have, right? If you're a, a team of two or three people, how do you, it's harder to do everything. Your resources time. Stop playing fucking ping pong. <laughs> no, but, but I mean this, and, it's, and I think I'm jumping because you're right, but we have to macro this conversation. It goes back to your ambition, right. right? You're right. My ambition is so large that I have to do all that. To your point, if your ambition is to make $81,000 being a flowers influencer, you can do that on one platform. The problem is people's ambition and strategy maps to being on everything, and then they give up after three months on one thing. Like, what do you think this is? Yeah, I, th- I think your point's exactly right. Because if you try and shortcut this, so if you don't understand the platforms, if you're not using the platforms on a daily basis, then you're going to try and look for the easy answer. Someone says, what's the reason? But if you understand platforms and then you know what your objective is, then, then this makes sense. You guys but are both saying... There's, there's, multi, there's multi-million businesses who grew just through Facebook. You're right. right? That's what I'm saying. Like, if you dominate one you're channel, you right. can have a, a bigger business than $81,000 a year. Like, dominating one channel is not a bad way to make a huge business. No, I actually think he's exactly right. Here's what you're saying that I think is interesting and it's just the worth of debate. What if your company could have been tens of millions of dollars if you put your energy on YouTube versus Facebook but you never tasted YouTube. You don't know if chicken is your favorite food if you've only eaten beef. So I think you're not wrong and I think back to your strategy of test and learn, the question becomes do you want to go out and try all those things and then find that you're naturally over-indexing on voice and you do podcasting. But the point of this discussion is so important. There's a million ways to do it. There's just not a million ways that you can do it. And that's the part that needs to be figured out. And, that, and fundamentally, that's the problem. Everyone comes and wants a silver bullet. Everyone here is looking for, what's Gary going to tell me? That's good, that I'm going to get the edge over everyone else just from, say, the, the future is... Uh, You're you know, so right. Like I, I used Snapchat. to work at a publishing firm and, uh, a long time ago, and sort of 10 years ago, and, uh, and I used to say to them, I used to implore everyone, you have to sign up to Facebook. Yeah. And of course, what happened was they were making magazines and they were certain that these magazines were understanding exactly what their readers wanted. And I said, but unless you're signed up to Facebook, you can't see what people are starting to do to compete. Right. And I think it comes down to that. You can't necessarily fake things. Mm. And a lot of people think, right, I, I haven't got the time to learn how Pinterest works. I haven't got the time to work out how Twitter works. So just give me the bullet points. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever as convincing as someone who has deeply tried to understand and go through that point where you think it's dumb. Um, you're never going to be as convincing if you're trying to fake it. Do you, do you know how many people here have opinions on Facebook advertising and have never placed a fucking Facebook ad? I saw. I mean, do people know? I mean, I'm not sure if it's open to the Ireland market, but in the US, for sure, Snapchat's open market of buying filters in an open place marketplace is early Twitter, early Facebook, and early Google AdWords. You can buy filters for $5 for 20,000 square foot 
for an hour. So you can know that there's this big high school football game in Texas, because that's religion there, and you're a brand that tries to reach high school kids, and you can put a filter over that school, and you can buy it for $5. And it's an incredible arbitrage, but nobody's a practitioner. They've got opinions on stuff. Everybody will read a headline from TechCrunch or AdAge or Fastco. They'll read something, and they'll be like, oh, Snapchat is dead. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about unless you're a practitioner. And even within them, there's opportunities, right? Yes, maybe at a macro, I'm a little bit concerned about a Twitter ad, but the reason I threw out but in the video product is even within the macro statement, there's micro opportunities to expose underpriced attention. And that, to me, is where getting your hands dirty matters so much. Um, Just quickly, because we're nearly out of time, but um, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, uh, how do you train up? Because there's a different, there's a there's like two elements to mastering social media. There's the skill in actually knowing how to do it, what to do, and there's also the communication style that you have that you portray across. That is your persona that comes across <laughs> in social media. Um, Bruce, we start with you. Just like what would be your tips to people here and those listening um, on how to. Uh, start on that journey, like two, like two practical steps. On a personal level, how, how to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you're asking how to create a, your own voice on social yeah. media. Okay, I mean, look, a lot of people talk about authenticity and, that, and it's sort of become so tired. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, like, start with what you want to accomplish. I use social media principally to talk about pop music. And I work <laughs> at a place where a lot of people at, at Twitter... When a bit of news comes out, they all tweet out the press release on it. And I'm not interested in following that. For me, I don't use Twitter as a B2B tool, but other people do. So, so principally, you know, something like Twitter is, uh, it's about consuming what's happening right now. So for me, a new pop song drops on Friday morning, and that's what I'm interested in. But uh, what you tend to find, and back to what we've been talking about here, is that some people will come in and they'll post things on social media, and it might be they're trying to be an influencer on LinkedIn, or they're trying to, to rebrand themselves. And it feels unconvincing, because yeah. they're trying to shoehorn some opinions about programmatic into their <laughs> Facebook feed, and it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. So just knowing what you want to do, or knowing why you're doing it, sounds like a, a pretty good idea to me. Sometimes curiosity is the reason to do it, yeah. right? You know, I've just started podcasting, and I've, I've started podcasting, firstly, because I'm just really curious about the experience, how it works, the platforms. So starting with curiosity is the, the right, probably the right thing. The, the idea of, of us tr- all trying to present a more honest, nuanced version of ourselves is great as long as you've got nuances yeah. And, yeah. and depth that people are going to be able to explore, I think. And Kieran, obviously your Twitter handle is search brat. So yeah, I need to change it. Fair idea. It doesn't go down well. It means <laughs> something else in the US. I think, one, so I think to jump around a little bit, one thing I'm passionate about is something Gary said, in that everyone in this space should be a practitioner. I think that's... Like you, you never have an excuse not to be able to try things. So, like an example, last night I was up building like a chatbot for Facebook Messenger through a platform called Chatfuel because Facebook are about to launch ads that allow you to send like paid media straight into your Messenger bot, right? And you, it's so easy to spin up a page, have a yeah. simple chatbot, put it on Reddit, get some traffic, and start to send things into it. So, if you're if you want to know about something in like space, spend like a couple gotcha. of thousand dollars and go 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 do it. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't. If you're ignorant in the space, then it's the it's just the wrong wrong. Place to be. Yeah, right. You can't outsource success. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
I know we're, we're, we're sidetracking, but I want to build on that because it was such a fun statement. Everybody here should be trying to figure out how to do an Alexa skill yeah. for their business. Exactly. I'm working on one right now that I'm going to launch, and it's just you know people's morning routines. I'm just going to give. I'm, I'm trying to debate if I'm going to do a motivational statement of the day or a tip on business. Like, like what people understand is this is all about beachfront property. You either buy it right before Malibu becomes the biggest beach in the world and you bought it right on the beach and it's worth a trillion. You look at the early pioneers on Twitter, blogging, search. It, the, the, people think trying something new is a waste of time at times. And I, and I do love where you're going with depth, by the way. But you gotta taste. You gotta taste it just to be dangerous because when you hit it and you're good at it, and if you're lucky enough that you picked Snapchat instead of social cam and it becomes huge, you can really change your life. The upside's enormous. As far as your question, I just think the truth always plays out. Mm. When I started talking about business on Twitter, every single comment in 2009 was, shut your fucking mouth, wine boy, stay in your lane. <laughs> But what they didn't know was that was my truth. Long before I became the wine guy on YouTube and Twitter, I was a businessman. And I think if it's your truth, this was back to the joke I made about 21-year-old life coaches. If you talk about the journey of trying to become a successful, there's a very big difference between being an entrepreneur and a successful entrepreneur. I can say that I'm a football player. Doesn't mean I'm gonna get paid to do it. And so I think the truth Like, you truly like that music. I I think it's unbelievably uh, exciting for me. It feels warm in my heart that the thing that I've seen consistently analyzing this every second of my breathing day for the last decade has been whatever your truth may be, as long as it is actually your truth, you will always over-index. And people have told me to not curse on stage, you know, my agents who book, like, stop cursing on stage because we're losing so much money. I'm like, I can't. (laughs) I have to be me. And wherever the chips fall, and I think for everybody, A, it's fun, because it's easier. And B, audiences, audiences are smart, to your point. You can smell when that person wants to put their agenda through. Mm. And so I think the truth, which is a very exciting answer to this question, the truth is undefeated. Well, I think it's a very good place to finish. And uh, I'd like to thank Gary, Bruce, and uh, uh, Kieran for taking the time. And for you for bearing with me with my particular course. <laughs> Thank you very much. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes, wherever you're kind of listening to this. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.